This week we have Don High, Principal Engineer at Microsoft. How's it going, Don? Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? <laughs> very well, very well. Um, Carl, what do we got first? We got the news? Yep, we got news. Jumping this right into the news. Okay, the first news story here, the quest to compile 1 billion lines of C++ on 64 cores. Um, I definitely don't claim to understand everything that was going on in this article, um, how they were doing like parallel compilation. But needless to say, they picked a, uh, a one of these crazy AMD Ryzen processors that has 64 cores. Um, I'm a little jealous. I only have 12 cores on mine. Uh, but they did the Threadripper, which has the 64 cores, figured out how to get it to do the parallel compilation. And uh, they were able to yeah compile a billion lines of code in, what was it, in five minutes, I want to say? 15. 15 minutes. Wow. 15 minutes. A billion. Yeah, and they did it like a bunch of times. And the thing that was kind of like, really crazy to me is like how consistent, like when you're thinking like you're building a billion lines of code, there might be like run a little faster this time. Mm-hmm. Like they were within like 10 or 15 seconds doing it five different runs. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Must be because it's all CPU bound and the CPU usage is pretty predictable, wow. you know, because even if Windows is doing some background tasks, like it's just a rounding error at that point. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that you bring up with the CPU is, you know, they show the task manager mm-hmm. with all 64 CPUs and they're all pegged at 100%. Yeah. Which wow. is crazy for 64 cores. Hey, can I give you two task manager tips? <laughs> Actually, th- I'll give you three, three for the price of one. Okay, so the first task manager tip is whenever you're on the performance tab and you're on CPU, you can right click and you can say change graph to logical processors. And that will show you a separate graph for each logical processor. So I see 24 on my processor. The next tip is that if you go under options, uh, or sorry, view, and then update speed, there's high, normal, low, and paused. Um, So I think it's normal by default, right? Is that what you guys are seeing? Yep. So I keep mine on high. So I just get a higher refresh rate. So I knew about high, normal, and low, but I didn't know it could be paused, which is really cool if you're like trying to look at that and figure something out. Well, just wait for my next tip here, Carl. Okay, so go to the process tab, and you see all the processes there? Hit um, hit F5, and it will refresh. And then just hold down F5, which will, which will make it uh, basically refresh constantly. <laughs> Take a look at that. Oh. <laughs> it's way faster. You didn't know you could refresh. Like you normally it, right? see it update. So if you pair the thing that you were just talking about, the update speed, if you set it to paused, then you can just use F5. So if you if you have something that's jumping around, that's one way that you can get a better look at it. That is a pretty cool tip. I just taught Carl something about task manager. <laughs> it's funny because oh, it's a tool, man. it's a tool that we use all the time, right? But like it's it's I I was just in shock when I learned a couple of these things. So it's pretty cool stuff, though, for for troubleshooting. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All that's on Windows, though, right? <laughs> yes, Mr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, on, uh, yeah, well, the nice thing on on the the Mac and Activity Monitor is the uh, yeah. is the Energy Monitor, right? I think that's cool. Yeah, Windows yeah. totally needs to copy yeah. that. It tells you like right now how much power an application's using, and there's no unit of measure, so you don't know like you know it's just relative. And then it also yeah. Uh, tells you the 12 hour aggregate power usage of an app, which I, I find incredibly useful. So yeah, to each his own, I suppose. Uh, next story here, 20,000 honeybees took over a tech company's empty office during lockdown. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, last March, a lot of us went from 
being in office to all of a sudden being at home. And many people still haven't gone back. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a company in California that was in that. And their you know management was looking at when can we safely go back? And when you think of safely in during these pandemic times, you don't think, hey, my office might be overrun with 20,000 honeybees. <laughs> um, you never think that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy when you think about like all the things that can go wrong um, that you don't normally think about. We normally think very tactical about, um, you know, our, our software that we're writing, um, the physical things that we're used to, and maybe some few ancillary things. Um this isn't really a tech focus off, um, uh, you know, article other than it happened in a, a tech office, but you know, considering, you know, everything that we're going through, I just thought it kind of funny. Um, they did, uh, find a company that specializes in removing honeybees in, in a safe way. And they were able to not only remove all 20,000 bees, but 10 gallons of honey. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a win. <laughs> that's a win for wow. sure. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty wild. <laughs> cool cool okay uh next story petabyte tape cartridges are coming down the line wow yeah i mean i haven't wow. really thought about tape cartridges in, in quite a while i you know, we have talked about them on the podcast before because there's certain kinds of storage in the various clouds that are out there that you can save stuff and it ultimately goes onto a tape and uh, you when you request data back, you know, it's not where you get it back via an API within a few seconds, you get it hours or days later. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, tape is a, a very viable, cheap, uh, way to store things still to this day, even if we don't think about it, you know, a lot of times we are thinking about our laptops, they got SSDs, they got the M2, which are even faster than, than SATA and all that stuff. But putting a petabyte on a tape this is still a little forward looking it's 2035 when they think that they can do it right but 2025 current, i think yeah Not uh but the yeah. current techno te- uh tape limits are oh about no this does terabytes. say sorry i sorry for it continually interrupting I, I the picture says 2025 but then the article says 2035 so i'm just a little yeah. confused but uh today the state of the art is 18 terabytes so that's still quite a leap over where we are today yeah, I'm surprised, you know, it, it's amazing that like tape technology is kept up. Like I'm guessing a lot of us would have thought that hard drives would just, it would, it just wouldn't make sense to use tapes anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. As back in the day, they were essential. Like drives were super, super expensive. Tapes were just a little bit expensive. <laughs> so like they were a really good strategy and I'm just like, man, it'll be nice when we're done with this tape thing. You just pick up some, some hard drives, but Man, tapes have, they've just been, they've held their own. They've, they keep increasing in size. So. Right. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Petabyte. Yeah. There might be some long, there's probably some long-term archival reasons too, to put stuff on tape. Um, cool. Uh, the next one here, browser finger fingerprinting, which we're aware of, but what's yep. this about Carl? <clears throat> what this is, is there's a university in Germany that's trying to do uh, a study on uh, your digital fingerprint. What makes you unique and trackable across the web? And this is an opt-in study that you can do. Um, when I found out about this, I went ahead and signed up for it. Uh, partially because like, you instantly get some feedback on this as well. So what you do is if you agree to be in the study, they send you an email once a week. And the interesting thing as part of some of the instructions that they give you is they just say, all you have to do is click the link and, but you can click it on a different browser, um, you know, on a different computer, on a different screen. And it 
shows you uh, after you click on it all the stuff that it's reading about you, and then it shows you over time all the, from all the different links, all the different data it showed you, and what out of that data makes you trackable or unique within a system. Um, right. And uh, you know, one I think this is interesting. I think this is an area that we could use a little bit more public study into. And uh, two, I just find this area really interesting because when I clicked on that link, it was pages and pages of data and you saw exactly not just like the, what they were looking for, but your specific, you know, like, you know, what that setting was set to. So if anybody else is interested in this, like, uh, you know, I, I definitely am. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a link in the show notes. Go click that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sign up for it. Yeah. They got some good stats on there too. If you click on the statistics tab there. Um, that is, uh, that is pretty cool and scary stuff. I, I've heard that browsers are trying to mitigate this a little bit, uh, by sending, um, maybe like, you know, not, well, I guess it would be false information, but like adjusted, <laughs> you know? So whenever the browser asks for certain information, it, it, you know, moves it up or down by a little bit and some of those stats, but that's still yeah, but, tough. I mean, some of the things that they can't, they can't fudge because they, you, right. they need to know your, your screen size. They need to know, you right. know, do you have a feature enabled? Can you touch your screen? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, a lot. These are things that web developers need to know which features to offer you. Hmm. Makes, sense. Makes sense. So if you want to be if you want to be as anonymous as possible, then you got to go to like Best Buy and be like, "What is your most popular laptop? Purchase that." <laughs> and then you know, don't log into anything, and then just act normal. Yeah, <laughs> and don't connect it to the internet. Yeah, that's that's a good advice too. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's talk about right. Rancher. So Don, do you know anything about Rancher? Uh, <laughs> so, I think I actually, know a tiny, a, a tiny yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah. Actually, w what we should do is we should talk about why do you know so much about Rancher? Well, of course, you know, I know so much about Rancher because, um, you know, I just came from working there. But mm -hmm. what really what really made me go inside to learn everything about Rancher is because I believe in the product itself. Because, you know, being a um, Kubernetes expert, I want to know anything about K8s and cloud native and anything that has to do with Kubernetes. Um, I, I used to work at a little history lesson, right? I used to um, work. I worked at Microsoft about a year ago. As, and then um, and I had a large customer at Microsoft who um, who um, kind of introduced me to Rancher. You know, see, these guys was like they did. They was in multiple clouds. Um, they had a lot of great things going on. They did on premise as well as. Um, they want to have a cloud presence. So what happened was, you know, I was there, one of the lead architects that came on the project. And he was like, hey, Don, what do you think about Rancher? Rancher, you know, is a great product. It allows you to do everything. And I was just like, I heard about Rancher, but, you know, I thought it was a little um, small old application. But then I literally digged into it. And this is all on the same trip. And it was in Chicago. It was all on the same trip. So I looked in the ranch. I was like, oh, my gosh. Where has this been? You know, my whole entire life. You know what I'm saying? And then, and, and and I swear, no lie. That same day, I got an email from Rancher itself. A computer Rancher was like, "Hey, I saw you on LinkedIn. Um, we're looking to build up our top team at Rancher, which is the field engineers, and we want to know are you interested in having a conversation with us?" And I just thought it was fate, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, what? How was this? I just learned about it. And then the same <laughs> day, the company itself contacts me. And I was just like, and I love my position at Microsoft. It was great. But it was something that I knew I was always missing in the background, right? It was something that I was like, man, you know, I know cloud and I know, you know, some AKS and I know 
you know, cloud version of Kubernetes, and I'm pretty good, but I'm missing that on-premise type of, um, you know, aspect of, you know, Kubernetes, the internals, and a lot of the great stuff that I just couldn't get at Microsoft, right? And it was like, well, I was like, well, you know, let's talk to them, and if I can pass all these interviews, then, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to see what's going on. So, you know, they got on the phone with the manager, which was the VP, which was super technical, super technical VP, right? He was like, he he's still technical to this day, man. So everyone at Rancher is technical, like super technical. Um, and he was just like, man, Don, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're pretty good, you know. Let's send you to the next three rounds, you know, see how you do with the rest of the team, right? And I was like, and so now, now it's a challenge. You can't challenge me and be like, I'm like, let's go. Let's see how far my Kubernetes knowledge goes, right? You know, and I'm passionate about it because I don't think nobody can. I just I just didn't think no one can mess with me um, in Kubernetes. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I would cuss, but you know what I'm saying? You know, it's just me, but I'm keeping it PG. <laughs> but anyway, you know, but I didn't, I didn't think nobody could mess with me. So I was just like, OK. So these guys came. So I, I passed another interview. Guy, good guy, man. He's like, yeah, you're good. OK, we're going to send you to our man. So. I interviewed with one of the best field engineers that I know to this day. This guy's smart. You think I know Kubernetes? This guy got me like by five. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, I didn't think that was even possible. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was like, what the? This guy, you mean I can learn what you know right now? Like, it was some stuff that I just didn't even hear. And I heard a lot of stuff. It was just a lot of stuff that... I didn't even hear it because I, I didn't do it. I didn't see it. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it on prem knowledge, all that other stuff. And it just excited me. You know what I'm saying? Like I am right now. I, I was excited because I felt that if I can learn this, this is going to take my game to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, so happened. Oh, he passed me on. Right. And he passed me on, which I didn't think I was going to pass it because it was, you know, but he was like, Don, you did better than 90% of the people I interviewed. I was like, what? You know, saying, you know, so that was a testament to saying how good I was or whatever. And then the rest of the team, then the managers, and they was like, yeah, we got to have Don. Don is unique. He's different. He has, he's passionate about it. He loves to talk to customers as well as he's technical, which is hard to find a person who's very technical mm-hmm. and talking to customers. Cause they, cause they got guys that's on the team that's super technical, but mm-hmm. they can't explain it. They can't talk to customers. They're not passionate about doing workshops and demos or going deep and, and be able to talk layman's terms to simple people, you know, that people understand. He was like, Don, you got a knack for that. I could just hear, you know, how passionate you about it. And and you don't use large words. You keep everything, you know, cool. He's like, man, we need you on our team. So they immediately was like, Don, we, we, we want to bring you on the team. Um, and, and it took me like a three, four months. It took three, four weeks to just mull off over because I was just like, you know what? I don't know, man. I got a great gig. I got a great, I go to the small company, this company, but you know, they going to get bought out, blah, blah, blah. I know they are. I can make some money and I can learn. It could be twofold. So I said, okay, I'm just going to ask for a ridiculous salary and, um, and, and then let everything go, you know, let, 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 let everything fall into place. Right. So I told them, they was like, no problem, Don, we got you. I was like, that right. There. How are you going to afford this? How are you guys going to afford this ridiculous salary like this, this type of situation? And you guys are cool with it? You know, now we got a cool, cool bonus truck. Man, Don, you're going to love it. Hit all the bonuses, everything since I was there. Matter of fact, I just got a bonus check to last week. Like, I was just like an uh, extra bonus check for I'm not even there. So I was just like, God, <laughs> I was just like, that was a no brainer. You know, <sighs> thanks a lot. You know, so. You know, 
So I went in there and I struggled. I'm not going to lie, man. I went in the rancher and I struggled, man. The first first two months I struggled because it was just so much. It was so much. I struggled and I didn't have that knowledge. And there wasn't they, and they wasn't I couldn't utilize any of my strong points, which is Azure, blah, 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 because they really wasn't big in Azure. I, that's they brought me to be in Azure. So it was just like I was like a. You know, I was the weakest link on the team, man, of team of killers. You know what I'm saying? I was like, that's where you want to you know, be, though, right? Attack. You know, it's like you want yeah, the cheapest yeah. house like, in the neighborhood. You want to you want to be the yeah, they, yeah. you want to be the, yeah. the you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. Exactly. You know, so if it was a war, they was like attack Don. You know what I'm saying? That's you know what I'm saying? So, you know, he, he's the weakest link. If we attack Don, we can get we can infiltrate. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, let me sit in the back. So I struggled and then it finally hit me. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it made me more hungry than what I was. And I was like, man, I can't let these guys. And it was guys younger than me on the team. It was some guy that we had OGs, you know, like me. I'm an OG. And then they had younger guys who this is like their second job, but that's all they know is Kubernetes. They, they grew up in Kubernetes, right? That's their job now, you know. So they don't know anything else about com, decon, all the stuff that I did. It don't matter to them because they grew up in Kubernetes brilliant guys everybody came from somewhere great guys came from rancher me me guys came from red hat guys came from large organizations right you know so happened i was there i came from microsoft these guys came from red hat um guys come from large a lot of large places and it was brilliant you know but what happened was you know and we're so close to the we had every 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 two days a week, we have PG. We have PG meetings two days a week. You know, discuss everything. What are we seeing in the streets? Rancher is big on what's hot in the streets because they're not in the streets. So we're hot in the streets. We're hot. We're on the ground zero. We know what's hot. We know what people want. We know what people hate. We don't. And, and I'm not going to go develop stuff that people hate because they don't know just because they had a cool idea. You know what I'm saying? So we're there. We're in, we're in all the major sales. We And then we're in all the major um um, engineering meetings everywhere. Field engineers was the like the super ninjas, black belts, or whatever the company. Everything went through them. So, you know, and we did these rodeos. Rodeos, a rancher rodeo is something that they do like once a month, oh no, twice a month, where it's like hundreds or 200 people is on. You, you do it in front. Of, you, it was right before the pandemic happened. So they just go rent out the whole movie theater and then a, a, a field engineer run it with and, uh, uh, hundreds of people there. You know, and then they became to go online. So they had these rich rodeos that was that you that you was hot. They was like, nah, you ready for one of these already? I was like, no, I'm not. You know, since so. But anyway, my first rodeo, uh, I blew it out the water. They was like, Don, you got a knack for you. You really got a knack for talking to people. Right. And, you know, and, and then understanding that. And, and so that that became my niche. So a lot of the um, conferences and everything like that, they sent me and there was sent me because I like to talk to people. I get passionate about it and it sells. Right. So, you know, that's how it worked. And then, um, when, I got to ask though, happened. when you went to the second yeah, rodeo, yeah. did you tell everybody this ain't my first rodeo? <laughs> yeah, I know. Cool. I would yep, be yeah, saying hey, that to everybody. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 and it was, man, those rodeos, they still have them right now. So my last rodeo that I just done right before I left and hire, it was like over 300 some people, there. Wow. I mean, it was, and, and, and everybody was like, this was the best, 
you know, guys from Dell, everyone was there. This was one of the best rodeos. Don explained it all. And, and, and it's hands-on rodeo. So you explain it, and then you go, everyone does a hands-on thing. They set up rancher. They go through the whole nine yards, set up clusters, deploy everything. It, it is pretty cool. You'll get a whole bunch out of it. So, well, what, you know, we, like why, a don't we, why don't we start diving into the tech? <laughs> that's, yes, that's was go, a really go, good go, background, let's, though. Let's that's go. awesome. Sounds like a great yeah, yeah, that's that. That's so so so. Rancher Tech is pretty awesome because what it does is allows you to um, manage multiple Kubernetes clusters under one single pane of glass. That's what makes Rancher so great, right? You know, so the days of like I'm, I'm an ISV, and it was I did it with a lot of ISV and software as a company, software as a service companies and SaaS companies, and they didn't want to put all their eggs in one basket. They wanted to have clusters everywhere. They wanted to have clusters on premise. They wanted to have clusters um, in multiple clouds. They wanted to have they wanted to have clusters everywhere. So what Rancher did was like saying, "Hey, we want to give these customers um, a, a product that now they can manage multiple Kubernetes clusters. If you got a CNCF Kubernetes cluster, we can manage it uh, and put it all on one single pane of glass. And what that allows you to do, I don't have to go in each one of these clusters, add security, authentication, RBAC, all these rules. And what I can do is I have the upstream cluster, and then that upstream cluster itself mitigates everything, push everything down to downstream clusters. So that means that all every one operator can control thousands of thousands, over 2,000 clusters, and to be able to put under everything under one roof. Right there is priceless. 2,000 clusters without Rancher is a nightmare. No one can do it. So that what happens is DevOps, DevOps, you know, the DevOps teams are really not that large normally because it's a new aspect of it. DevOps, SREs, these are not really large teams. So they want to be able to have everything look the same under one single pane of roof, a single pane of glass. And that's what Rancher does for them. Right. So, you know, and, it, and like I said, it allows you to. And, and what Rancher is so great is that it's all API backed as well. Not only is it a great looking UI, it's all API backed. So everything is automatable. Everything is scriptable. So whatever you can do from the command line is everything that you can do from the UI and vice versa. So that makes it great for um, DevOps engineers, infrastructure code engineers as well. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Rancher ends up, <clears throat> excuse me, ends up being like this, like meta layer above everything else. Right. So what, what really surprised me is that I was able to do like Docker run and then rancher. Yep. And yep. I, yep. you know, like I ran that and I usually don't expect, you know, everything to work. You know, I usually have to like tweak things or whatever, but it's just like, Oh yeah, right. up and running on this port. So I, you know, I, I open up my browser and it's like, welcome to rancher and log in. And I'm like, uh, wow, I'm actually up and running. I can add Kubernetes clusters. And it's really amazing. It's really amazing because that's one of the ways to do it. But we know that in a production company, you want to have an HA version of it, right? Yeah. You want to have high availability. You want to have at least three. So what Rancher is itself is it's just a application, a ham chart running on top of Kubernetes cluster. But what makes Rancher so great is what they have in the background, something called Rancher Kubernetes Engines. Rancher Kubernetes Engine is their version of you can spin up a Kubernetes engine off of Docker just like that. Just like you spent up that Rancher UI based on Docker, the Rancher whole acts the, the whole application, one of the Rancher RKEs based off Rancher Kubernetes engine. And you can spin up a three node cluster by just filling out IPs in a, a config file and just saying RKE up, boom, you got a full blown Rancher Kubernetes cluster. That's simple. You know, best practices, very, very fast. It's basically like if you have, if you do Kubernetes, something like CubeAdmin, but CubeAdmin itself um, is, is, is trying to do what Rancher already done for years. That's awesome. Carl knows what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to do everything you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's actually hitting everything. 
he's playing with it. So, you know, one one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, being able to hit, manage all of those uh, different things in kind of a homogenous environment, you know, how, how well does it work with like a mixed environment? Can I have, you know, this kind of like section of stuff be configured differently, set up differently, and kind of still have that all visible within yeah, Rancher? Yeah, so what happens is each cluster could be set up different. So each cluster is its own entity. Like if I can show you the UI, we know this is a podcast, but if you look at the UI, you have something called a global scope. And the global scope is where you can have multiple Kubernetes um, clusters in a global scope. Each one of those clusters can have one to a thousand nodes in it. It doesn't matter. Each one of those can have different configurations as well, and you can control all of those, right? Right. But what makes Rancher so great is the authentication authorization of it all. So that means and Rancher out the box has like 11 authentication providers. We're talking about, you know, providers like Ping, Okta, um, Azure AD, um, ADFS, you know, all of these things give you the security that you need out the gate. So that allows the authentication so you can bring your authentication own authentication provider and to be able to manage all your clusters the same. That's what makes Rancher really so great, right? But another thing that makes Rancher so great is a thing they have inside of it called projects. Now, projects in, you know, namespaces, me doing in the ISVs, multi-tenancy is very, very major. You want to have a multi-tenant cluster. So what this means is that having a multi-tenant cluster is that I can have different dev groups, different groups breaking it down, or I can have different customers having anything from multi-tenancy. So that means my customer one is don't have noisy neighbors from customer two and customer three and vice versa. Rancher has something called projects, which allows you to put each one of these tenants under different things called projects. Now I can do resource limits, quotas, everything that I possibly need to do under this project and control that and allow the same security. So that makes me now have a great multi-tenant cluster. And that's what a lot of the ISVs, a lot of the um, software services companies, that's what they want as well. And, and to be clear, can you have, can your clusters have different types of authentication then and manage up? Nope. One, authentica- one, one authentication provider to hold everything from the get, get go. So if you, when you first set up a cluster, you only can either do one of the 11, Active Directory, Azure AD, whatever your main authentication provider is at the top, right? And then that what that does is allow you to do RBAC as well with it. And if you don't know RBAC, um, you know RBAC, same thing inside of Kubernetes as well, you know, role-based access, you know, control. So Kubernetes RBAC, which security, like I said, security is huge inside of um, Rancher. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'm just trying to spin this up again so I can sort of take a, take a look around. Um, what other key features should we talk about? Um, I mean, like I said, like I said, projects, we talked about that multi-tenancies. Yeah. What about um, size of, workload. Like, what about like number of clusters? Like, you know, obviously if, if you have a whole bunch of Kubernetes clusters, this makes sense. What if I just have one? Does it still make sense? Yep. You can do, it could still make sense with Rancher One because now it allows you to do everything that you put. It has something called workload management. So if you're not familiar, a lot of people out the gate, when they first get into Kubernetes, they want to use something called the Kubernetes dashboard. That's huge. The Kubernetes dashboard is huge. Rancher is like the Kubernetes dashboard times 20. So what happens is you can do everything inside of workload management. If you go to the cluster scope and go to workload management, now you can go in there and do your deployments, your 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 your, your stateful sets, your, your daemon sets, your cron job, all these Kubernetes resources without having to dig into any of the YAML as well. But if I wanted to dig into YAML, I can do that as well. But what this is Rancher is made for beginners of, of Kubernetes 
and the veterans of Kubernetes. It's the best of all worlds. And that makes that great from the workload manager aspect to be able to do any of the workloads. Right. You know, um, you know, another thing with that is that you can you can install multiple clusters. It don't have to be, you know, it could be infrastructure clusters. Like I said, it could be um, managed clusters. It could be on premise. It could be, you know, cloud, any CNCL version. You can bring and bring that in. Unlike OpenShift, where OpenShift is a little bit different, they put a little extra on their cluster, so they're not CNC ready. But what happens is, what OpenShift, um, you know, they try to be. OpenShift is Rancher's biggest competitor because, you know, everyone loves it. But the problem is, OpenShift is very expensive, and it's hard to set up an OpenShift cluster. Yeah, it's and very, very expensive. Cluster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I can spin up a rancher cluster very, very easy with no problem, and and have better uh, functionality as well, right? So, anything that you can do, like I said, inside of Rancher, Kubernetes, period, you can do in Rancher and then some, and it makes it easier. Like I said, Rancher is a no-brainer. I built, uh, you know, and and I, if you're a Kubernetes person. Any CNCF person that's really hardcore in CNCF knows Rancher and they love Rancher because it's the best of all worlds and it's built, you know, it's built great. But not only that, Rancher gives you everything that I'm trying to build right now to ASV customers. It gives you everything. Um, it gives you Prometheus stack. No one don't want to use this different type of cloud monitoring solutions and blah, 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 because they don't have that on, 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 they don't have that. They already have Prometheus on premise and they already have these prime QL queries and everything like that. They don't want to have to recreate the wheel. So what Rancher does is give you a CNCL version of Prometheus inside your cluster that they even support. So if anything happens at the Prometheus stack or whatever, you got a support contract with Rancher, they will help you with that. That's how they make their money. They don't. They give you away the free product, but the problem what they do is um, get support contracts. So it gives you Prometheus. That's what a lot of the, the, the people want. It also gives you things for logging, the F stack, FluentD, which is one of the hottest F stack, you know, um, to be able to do Elasticsearch, FluentD, Kibana. It gives you that. That's one of the hottest things for, um, for logging. It also gives you one of the hottest um, service meshes into it, like Istio. So it gives you, um, and then the new 2.5, it gives you GitOps already at scale. So now the GitOps craze, if you're not familiar with GitOps, GitOps is a way to update your cluster from a single point, uh, you know, a single mm-hmm. a single point uh, um, configuration management, I mean, configure SEM, right? So that means Git is a single point of truth. Instead of CI, CD, CDP, where we're pushing, GitOps is something that we're pulling. So what happens is it's a GitHub operator, I mean, it's a Git operator inside of your cluster that's working. And, you know, if you know Kubernetes, Kubernetes works off reconciliation loops. So basically controllers. So an operator is something like a controller uh, application-specific controller. So it's looking for these specific um, changes in your GitHub cluster, and what it does is brings all that and updates your cluster just like that. Cool. So, and that's what Rancher gives you out the gate. You know, it gives you backup operators out the gate. So things like that a lot of customers use things like Valero and all of these things like that. Rancher gives you these backup operators that backs up every cluster, AKS clusters, GKE cluster, any cluster out there. So it gives you that. So now I got DR strategy to be able to back up any of my clusters that went down. So that's another thing Rancher gives you, right? So it gives you all these things that you can do with alerts and everything from the gate that it allows you to do. Very cool. Very cool. I noticed too, you can like, I, I like that you can uh, do like command line stuff from the browser for 
yep, uh, for your clusters. Yep, yep, yep. So now, so that's why it gives you the the the, the benefits of of experienced developers. Well, you just hit the back tick, and it's going to bring up the cloud shell like in Azure, and now I have the whole inside of my cluster. But it also only oh, gives. I didn't you that even realize cluster. I could hit so, that key. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Look at that. Cube, so the back CTL, key. Get all awesome. Yep. Yep. So it gives you everything from that to give you whatever you need. Now, what's great about that? That same security. So if you go to look at the cluster, it has a cube config file that you can download. That cube config file that you can download is the same file that you can give all your users, and it has all the built-in security that you built inside Rancher. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love this. This is cool. That's why I said, man. And people are like, dang, Don, you get you get passionate like you still work there. Man, I, I get <laughs> passionate about it because it works. I mean, and did not end up having to build, rebuild all this. Like I'm working on something right now. Um, just started building all this with Terraform and putting the Prometheus stack, all this GitOps, all this stuff that I got to build from scratch. I'm just like, man, I'm just really rebuilding Rancher, you know, um, for these people, you know, just because Rancher is everything that anyone that does Kubernetes do. It's really no downside of, side of Rancher, to be honest. Yeah. I, I tried to find it and I tried to be like, damn, what? What what is the downside of it? But in, but in reality, it's not right. Well, I love that you could just layer it on top. And I mean, if you're using Azure yeah. or whatever, like it's all it's all yeah, good. It whatever. all works together. It all works. Yep, absolutely. I mean, so I'm just it's just hard to find some faults in it, to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so because I've done a lot and where I came from, that's why I said I when I went there, it was just it was just unbelievable that Microsoft or no larger company bought them out. But but I get what happened was SUSE really needed the product more than Microsoft needed the product and all these other. HP was a person, I think, also um, put a bid in. It was like three or four companies that put bids in, you know, major bids in. And um, a lot of these companies, you know, but SUSE put the bids because they see it as a – it's really something big for those guys because um, – they want to compete. Now they instant competitors to, to Red Hat. Instant. Now they got the credibility. Instant. You know, to having the hottest, you know, and they, what, well, another reason, reason why I don't know Susan, and allowed the, the team, Darren and all those guys at the team, um, keep their positions, still be VP, and, and control the product roadmaps. Microsoft probably wasn't going to do that at all. They're like, nah, we, you know, we're going to take it under our belt. We're going to do what we do. But, so I get it. They was like, no, Susan's going to let us do what we want to do and give us and give us money to mm-hmm. do what we want to do. This is no brainer. Now we got more resources. You know, now we about to come out with a product that's super hot. You know, yep. and and what they said and the thing was is that we're not going to push SUSE Linux. We're not going to push it. You know, so they're not pushing you to use SUSE Linux. They were like, we don't care. We just want Rancher because we know we're gonna let Rancher speak for itself. So, and it does. You know, so. so if I wanted to, you know, I think you mentioned like a kind of a lightweight Kubernetes install. Like if I wanted to run, um, if I wanted to run like Kubernetes on like a Linux server just for my house, for example, like on just a single node, is this yep, yep, is yep. this a good way to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have something called Rancher D. Look up something called Rancher D. Okay. Rancher D is a easy Rancher D is a easy install that you can go install Rancher right then on your node with Rancher D. It's easy. You know, uh, look up Rancher D, okay. and it tells you how to install it. Very, very simple. <clears throat> okay. Actually, I got it. Did you, did oh, you wow, look at that. Yeah, so you just do this. Uh, there's a curl command to get that installed. Yeah. And then Rancher D, so, oh, wow. Like, it's like, am I missing a step? But no, <laughs> that's it. You just run, the, you run that curl command, <laughs> and then you can enable it as a service. 
And yep. uh, wow. And that's it. And then you go to do something. Visual cool control. And then what that's going to do, you, you, you tell it what it want to do, and you reset the admin, and it's going to bring up Rancher. That for, and this is no Docker on it. See, it's two versions. This is built on RKE2. RKE1 was the first version that needed Docker, and that still works because people still use Docker. But mm-hmm. we all know that Docker is about to be deprecated from Kubernetes, and Container D is going to be built on. So this is built off Container D, and this is built off um, um, Rancher D and Container D. And I can also do this as high availability as well. So... You can spin this up high available as well, and now I can have three, four no clubs for ranchers, whatever I need to do as well. It's pretty rancher D is pretty awesome. Okay. So but I could could I start with one node and then just add a node yeah. to make it a cluster? Ran- okay. you, you look at no cl- when I say cluster is one considered one node as well. Okay. Not multiple node cluster. A cluster is one node. You can have a one node cluster. Okay. You know. Okay. <laughs> so and and and, and 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 if you do Rancher D, it sets you up a one node cluster. Okay. And if you look down on that page, it say, how do I? If I want to add high availability, it shows you how to add high availability, and you do the exact same oh, curl it's command. A, it's the first. Clusters. It's the first question at the bottom. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So if you yep. since Rancher is running as a daemon set, it will automatically launch on the nodes you add. For HA, you need to add an odd number of nodes in your Rancher D cluster. We recommend three. Yep. Um, wow. Well, that's okay. I like this. This is way easier than everything else I've ever looked at. Cool. Exactly. That's what <laughs> I said, man. Now, now, I mean, like, and that's why I tried to tell you anything that you do from those aspects, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that I've done my whole Kubernetes career has been just hard. Yeah. Am I going to use the same YAML file? Like if I develop a YAML file for my application, can I use the same thing then with this Rancher D setup? What YAML file? What are you talking about? Well, I've created, yeah, see, I'm I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to Kubernetes, but I've created a YAML file for, uh, like for our podcast, for example, we, our website runs in a container. So I have a Uh, YAML file. Am I able to just deploy that then if I have the single node cluster? Oh, you don't, you don't need rancher. Any cluster is going to do that. It's a it's a it's a deployment or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, any yeah. any any version of rancher is going to work. I mean, no, any version of Kubernetes is going to work. It don't have. To, yeah, yeah. I, I was just making sure. I was just. I guess that my question was: Does does rancher do something like exotic, where it has its own, you know, format or something, or is it all the same? No, okay. man, that's not Kubernetes. Kubernetes underneath is all. I just K-8. wanted to make sure. It's, it's better to all ask the, than to be confused. Yeah, yeah. All the constructs are the same. Perfect. You got Kubernetes resources, pods, deployments, all these things. But ranch, okay. But I, you should see how easy it is to do it. You don't need a note for people like you. If you go to that page and go to the um the workload page, it yeah. shows you. Um, go to that workload. Go back to the. If you go bring it up, go to that workload. Click on. Um, the cluster name and then click on the default and if you click on default in the cluster menu at the top you are going way faster than i can go okay where am i going first okay 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 (laughs) okay click on your cluster page you have the global scope click on global you see that at the top global at the very top next to the um the uh rancher oh i see local yeah i see local you see local right yep now if if you click on local you Mm -hmm. see something and you click on the right you see something called default um, I don't. Do I have to go back to the cluster manager? Yeah, go back to the cluster manager. Okay. And then click on the top where it says global. Mm-hmm. And then click on where your cluster is, local. And I know you, what it's like helping right. my family be, out now whenever I'm on the phone with yeah, them. Yeah. I, I <laughs> and, 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 but let, let me let me let me let me let me let me share my screen. I want to show you this because it's so simple. 
I know you can't. No this will be, can this it, yeah, this will be riveting for the podcast. That's that's yeah, okay yeah, though, because I because I, I, I I'll explain it for listeners. I want you to see it because you can explain it. Yeah. So you see, you Whoa, see. I just you got see, into right? like deploy chart. I don't know if that's where you're taking. There me. you go. That's it. That's okay. no, 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 no. So if you go, so you go here. If you go here, and you go here, go to default. Default. Oh, I was on the wrong side. Called, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What this gives you is something called workloads. Yep. Workloads is where I can deploy some quick. See, if I do this and I just say right now, test hello world, test hello, and I do something like rancher slash hello world, and I say port HTTP, and then I say I want to port 80. Mm-hmm. Well, 80, here, instead 80. of hello world, why don't you why don't you do our podcast? And then, but I'll just show. And then all of a sudden, it's that quick. I didn't even know. I didn't even know rancher. And look where it's at. You know, so, and, and it comes up as one of the, I just did this earlier, and it comes up as one of the things right there, right? I did 8080 because I already did 8080 already, but you know what I'm saying on one of my pods, but that's that simple, you know, on the note port. It, it'll give you all that information that needs to happen. That's awesome. That's it's that quick. You can send up everything. It's pretty cool. And that was just a, that was a Docker container that you just launched, right? That was just Docker. That Docker yeah, do the, do the website. Do, do the MS Dev show. Go to deploy and do that. We'll do it. We'll do it live. <laughs> okay. So. Yep. Um, just call it MS Dev. Yeah, whatever. And then the Docker image is uh, Y. It's Y Techie. Uh, y T E C H I E. Put it into the. Uh, can you put it in the chat? Of course. Y Techie slash MS Dev Show. If anybody wants to do this at home, there you go. Paste that. Okay. Image and in then. There. Okay. And then we put this here. And what port is it running on? You know. Uh, it's eighty. Port. HCP port 80. Yep. Let's see. And this is on Azure too. Well, wow. okay. It's updating. Oh, I suppose it's got to pull it down. So it's going to take a yep. second longer than the, uh, the hello world. Yeah. Yep. 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 Cause it's, it's, it's so basically wow. there go. that was actually really fast. <laughs> there you go. Oh my gosh. Look at that. He's running the website. Ooh. Well, that was cool. Isn't that cool, Carl? <laughs> that is pretty fast. <laughs> that was awesome. So the, so then I can go spin it up, spin up the nose, spin up the pods. I can do everything that I want to do. Just that simple. Yeah, I can you do know, Kubernetes. I can now. go down. Uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. So this is, gives you the powerful, powerful power of it. And I, not only that, I don't need to know all the inst- constructs. I just did a deployment. So once I did deploy, I just did that deployment, right? So what now is, is that, you know, I can do, um, this is a deployment, but I can do all the other resources without even knowing it. This is deployment. This is a daemon set. This is a stateful set. This is a crime job. This is a regular job. So all the major deployments, awesome. I don't even know it. But if but if I want to get down and dirty, I also can do um, with the YAML. So I can cancel this, and I can actually say I want to import YAML. So now I can import YAML or every YAML that I want to read from the file. Import the YAML as well. Yep. Um, so that I'll could be a whole bunch of resources because it could be our podcast site and maybe an yep, Nginx yep. and Yep. 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 But then you you go here view YAML. So that same thing that I just did here is the YAML for it. Test mm-hmm. deploy. Um, here is a YAML file. So now I can do CI/CD. Bring this down. Put this inside of my. Um, yep. Um, uh, yeah. Our uh, our MS repo actually management. has a YAML file for Kubernetes that I made a long long time ago. Cool. Cool. That's Very awesome. Cool. Okay. Cool. Awesome. And then this is all free. I mean, like for anybody who just wants to try this, it's just free, free. right? Free, man. It's really free stuff. I can afford it. So any, any, anything you could do, because <laughs> they know that you're not going to go into production, yep. you know, without no support. So they like, well, we can let, we'll let you have it for free, you know, <laughs> and, and it's no, 
There's no enterprise version, no nothing. You get the full brunt of it free, you know, and you just go do what you need to do from it. Cool. Which makes it so cool. Yeah, I definitely want to get this set up on my home Linux server and just run. I'll just run everything through that. That's a really cool way of doing that's it. it. That's it. That's that's the way to do it. You know what I I'm love saying? it. And I love it. You, and then you and you don't even, with that deployment, and you can go in there, and you don't need to know anything about it, mm-hmm. re- Kubernetes, because it allows you to edit, do everything that you possibly want to do from that UI. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, anything else you want to mention, Carl? No, this is uh, really cool, especially, I, you know, I'm kind of upset that the audience can't see the quick... <laughs> that Don was showing us going through that UI, uh, you know, once, uh, you know, it was, you know, pleasant looking, but two, it, everything was cleanly laid out and there's so much power behind a few Yeah. Clicks. I mean, the, the podcast, like we, just, we didn't tell him to do that ahead of time. <laughs> like it took what? It was like five seconds, maybe 10 at the most. And he had our website up and running on there, which is and that was mostly yeah, exactly. just downloading the yeah, yeah, exactly, downloading. exactly what it is. Yeah. Exactly what it was. That's cool. You know, because cool. they did all that in the back. Because what happens is it installs the ingress controller and stuff. Everything that you possibly want to do inside of Kubernetes. Yep. It allows you to do that. Yeah. No, I love like it. Like I said, this product is awesome, man. This product is super awesome. And and um and I love that it, how well it I, works with the with Azure. I mean, that's where you deployed it. You just you you were running yeah. your site in Azure. So I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is built on Azure. This whole my whole those are VMs. The, my upstream cluster is three VMs, four actually four VMs. One VM is for the Nginx controller, and then the rest is just three Azure nodes. Cool. So this this everything I showed you was um, all Azure. Cool. Okay, Don, um, that was really great. So That's where uh, where can people find you? Well, you can find me, um, Coach Don High. I'm a coach. I love football. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter, Coach Don High. You know, Twitter. You, you, if you see, if you bring me up on Twitter, you'll see Coach Don High, okay. and um, you'll see I'm a I'm a coach, uh, and, and it's pretty awesome that you see um, certified coach, um, uh, uh, RA certified, semi-pro youth coach, football lead solutions architect developer who love containers and DevOps. What a mm. combo! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you yep. get the you know you get the best of all worlds with that man, and um. A lot of great things um, about computers. So, Coach Don High at I mean Co- I'm at, at Coach Don High on Twitter. So if okay. you guys want to follow me, man, come follow me and um, see what I got. You know, I talk football, I talk tech stuff, man. A lot of the tech people are like, what are you talking about? And then a lot of the football people are like, what is that? So it's pretty, it's pretty. Uh, and I don't switch <laughs> it up. Good combination. So. Good combination. <laughs> it's a good combination, man. So very cool. It's pretty cool. Man. Okay. Well, man, I appreciate you guys having me, man, on the podcast and, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, you know, anytime you guys, you know, want a cool guy to come on and, you know, shoot it with you guys from a different <laughs> perspective, you of know, course. Don High is your, Don High is your man. Maybe a, you know, maybe a third I, host. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, every, you know, every now and then I love to do it with you guys, and yeah, good. you know, get some of the love to get some of the urban community on there as well, because I'm, you know, a different flavor to it, and it'd be cool. Yep, I think it'd be awesome. Send, yeah, send anybody our way, we would love it. And uh, Carl, yeah. Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter you as can well. Find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash ytechie. So again, Don, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about Rancher and everything else. It was really great having you on. Hey man, appreciate you guys, man. Thanks, thanks a lot, and um, it's all good, man. So, all good. <laughs>